from Star Studios in Denison, Texas, this is Coffee with a Sign Painter, a weekly podcast hosted by sign painter Sean Starr that consists of interviews with other sign painters and some of the customers and characters Sean comes across while running his studio. Hey everybody, welcome back to Coffee with a Sign Painter. Um, kind of uh, feeling a little rejuvenated. I um, Last week's episode, the, the changes episode, I think I was sorting through some things and I think that's a good thing to do. Um, but uh, I wanted to give a shout out to Chris DeBell. Um, he, uh, he reached out to me and we started talking um, after that episode and he kind of uh, gave me a, a boost and a pep talk that was much needed, and I appreciate that a lot. We also got a lot of really nice comments um, from that episode. Um, so it's good. It's good. I, um, I got a little discouraged, uh, you know, just uh, the time constraints of trying to do this combined with a little bit of uh, uh, criticism, you know. So, yeah, whatever. Back on track, here we are, got another episode. Um, I'm gonna be talking to uh, John Lennig today, who, uh, for those of you aware of John, um, he's up in uh, British Columbia, and he's been painting signs for, uh, I believe, 50 years. Um, And he's just an incredible guy. He's not only an incredible artist, but he's just one of those people that, well, you'll see when when I talk to him, you'll you'll see he's he's just a really neat person and a very insightful, thoughtful person. Um, but you know, all of this has has led me in in the last week through kind of a a series of uh, thoughts and ideas and things about the show and things about you know where to go from here and. Um, I don't know, maybe that's why I did the changes episode. I must have intuitively known I was going through some changes. But um, I don't know, something struck me this morning that um, I, I, want, I want to put out there. I want to see like how many others feel this way. Is There's kind of this... I think artists, um, they look at the world around them. They see that they're different. And they kind of want to create a bubble for themselves. Um, that's been my experience. That's what I've observed with others uh, working in the artistic field. And it's kind of, um, I don't know, it's kind of a weird thought. It just, you know, it struck me the other day when I was working on a um, storefront on Main Street here in our little town of just um, this this entire process of doing this podcast and social media and everything else um, is kind of this constant struggle to maintain the bubble um, and yet share what you do. Uh, but it, it's, it's kind of a weird deal because um, I, don't, I don't want too many people in that bubble. I mean, as, as excited I, as I am, that this show has been embraced and and shared so much, um, I kind of I kind of want to keep it limited to where it's just us, you know. Um, 
I, I like knowing that there are like-minded people out there uh, listening to the show and they interact and they, they send messages and post things on, on Instagram and tag us. And, and that's cool because I, I look at those and even the ones that I don't know, I look at those and I'm like, okay, that's cool. I've never met this person. I've never talked to them, but yeah, we're on the same page. You know, I, I, I could probably hang out with them. Um, so that's kind of the, I don't know, it's the double-edged sword. I mean, the accessibility is there with something like a podcast to, to get out there and share it, but I kind of want to keep it, I kind of want to keep it small scale, you know, keep out everybody else, but I, I guess that's not reasonable. Probably doesn't work that way, but, um, you know, I'm just curious to see if any, any of you else feel that way. Um, so we're going to be uh, talking to John Lennick today. Um, John's a buddy of mine. We've, uh, uh, I think we'll end up covering this, but I, I think it was probably 2009 um, that uh, he first came down to San Francisco when we had our studio there and spent some time with my wife and I and uh, taught us some invaluable things about gold leafing and um, you know, we had a, a really good visit. And then later, uh, I invited John down with some others uh, when they were shooting the Sign Painter movie. Uh, we had a little letterhead meet in my studio in Big Bear, California. And um, so, kind of kind of neat to be able to interview one of my uh, one of my heroes of the trade, not only of the trade, but just as a uh, just as a really neat human being. Um, any anyone that that has gotten to know John will testify that uh, he's a neat guy. So, uh, without further ado, let's uh, let's talk to my buddy John. So, how are you, John? I'm I'm good. I uh, to go to sleep last night. Although I don't. Oh yeah, no medical talk. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, at different times, I would, uh, okay, we'll go to sleep, and I would kind of go through the little script. Woke up this morning, and, oh, man, I got 33 years ago. I'm going to have to speed this thing up. So I just wrote some really cryptic little notes here, and you know how there's a story to everything, but uh, I think I've got it down there where I can see. Yeah, I picked up a brush, I painted letters, still doing it. All right. <laughs> so, uh, we, we talked yesterday on the phone, and you, you were giving me a little bit of crap about my changes episode, because it was kind of a downer. <laughs> I was just, yeah, I, I was heard you, you know, towards the end of it, and you were, you were kind of like, well, this is the way it goes, and, and I thought, that's exactly the way it goes. Yeah, you know, and I, I made a commitment to myself when I started this thing to do, you know, to be real and, um, you know, kind of just take people on my uh, weekly journey, as it were. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't feel bad about putting something like that out there. But uh, I, I listened to it again yesterday after we talked. And I was like, yeah, it's kind of mopey, but yeah, whatever. It was too many years listening to Morrissey, maybe. <laughs> Well, and it might do some people, you know, like, like, yeah, you know, I feel that way too. I'm, I'm, I'm not the only one, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. Think. And that's because um, sometimes you can feel that way. Like, 
<sighs> okay, John, you can't be eating celery or doing whatever you're doing because that's uh, making. Oh, is it coming through? Noise. Yeah, so <laughs> you need to hold off on breakfast for now. There's a whole story on that and me and my crunching. I'm supposed to eat soft foods, apparently. I see. So you're sneaking it. Well, no, I mean, because I make so much noise. I think my head is a sound box or something. Eating salad, I sound like a cow in a field. <laughs> but there is a double espresso here. Bulldog nice. beans, highly recommended by the guy, not by me. Uh, I'll go back to Continental Coffee. Well, I'm Ophelia. They don't even have it on the board. You just ask for it. La Familia. And they say, mm-hmm. And then they, you get uh, the beans. The inside scoop. <laughs> All right. Sure. Well, I, I just got a couple bags of the Sign Painters blend that just mm. arrived this morning, so I was able to replenish my supply. So that made me happy. I wonder if uh, it could get across the border, or maybe I have to have it sent to Blaine. Well, I, I spoke with Chris DeBell yesterday as well, and um, he told me that they're working on... Uh, getting some up there so uh, uh, he's no. only about an hour from you so I'm yeah sure he could get you the hookups well if he's working through Phillips they've got all sorts of yeah uh, I believe that's the plan is for for them to start stocking some so that would be really cool yeah so we promoted here yeah mm -hmm. yeah good deal so uh, let, let's give people a little background on uh, John Lennig when, when did you start painting signs it was a long time ago it was a long let's see now when when was the big flood let me think um, 1963 I, I signed up at San Diego City College for a commercial art class I graduated from high school that June so in the fall because I'd always liked art classes, always did art classes, you know, the heavy ones, art and, and, and lunch and those things. And uh, the class was full, so they said, well, take this sign painting and show card lettering class. You know, the, the commercial art will thin out. You can just, you know, move over. Lettering is part of commercial art anyway. Hey, One John. week. John, let me interrupt hmm. you real quick. Um, try, try to not, like lean in and lean back because it okay. makes you really loud and then really quiet. So, mm. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, I get active. Um, <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, I'll, um, here, here, here's what I'll do. Um, if you need a reminder, instead of interrupting you audio wise, I'll just put that up there. Put up, uh, and where, what am I seeing? Oh, you seeing it? It says sit still. <laughs> Uh, no, you don't oh, see it. I don't see anything. I, I may, electroshock might work. Okay, well, I could I could hook up the electro pounce to to zap you through the <laughs> through the microphone. Okay, I'm okay. sorry. Um, no, no, no. That's uh, I mean back. this is this is back when I wasn't a G DJ. I, I never knew these things. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, a one week into just using number six, number ten. Red Sable, Grumbacker Brush, making the vertical strokes. Um, I guess we must have attempted some letters. I just loved it. I, and I'd never done any one sign in my life before that, you know, with a little artist bristle brush and, and porch paint for my dad for a property he was selling. Mm -hmm. And it was your typical measured, you know, amateur. And 
and uh, so anyway, I, I just love this, and it was a it was a five it was a seven month course or nine months, uh, seven hours a day, five days a week, taught by a journeyman sign painter who'd gone through the whole union thing and Foster and Kleiser and. And he went back to school in his later years to uh, teach, get his teaching credential, and it was a great class. Uh, formal show card writing, learned how to use a mall stick, learned about silkscreen printing, hand-cut stencils. And uh, soon I was doing my own work uh, on the side. And... Um, then I took the class a second year because our family was talking about moving and things were up in the air. So I thought, well, I love this. I'm going to keep doing it. And then in the second year, I took a, a, a night class from an old gold leaf guide, Frank Job. It was a union th class that he taught and uh, learned the proper way to uh, do glass gilding hmm. and, and how to hold everything in your two hands so you didn't have to you know, put things on boxes and, and, and spill things. And so at the end of that year, then that summer we moved north. And uh, that's when I started working sign shops, uh, Superior Signs in Port Coquitlam. Worked there a year, and then my dad saw an ad in the paper for sign painter. So oh, you need to, you know, he was big on improving yourself. He struggled with... His own, he never did find a, a, a thing that he loved doing, mm -hmm. but somehow I ended up, you know, and with his strong work ethic training, it uh, it all worked out. So anyway, I applied for that job and I got it, bought a car to get there, a 66 Volkswagen, because it was in town and we were sort of out of town. Two weeks, my 21st birthday, they let me go. Because I wasn't the hotshot sign painter that they thought they were hiring, and wow. slow on the truck lettering, the the paper stencil, silk screen, first pull, everything fell off the screen. It just fell onto the. They set me to work doing consecutive numbering on, I don't know, provincial park signs, like tiny little, you know, one o four eight, and then the next one one o four nine. They let me go. You know, sorry about that. It was a twenty first birthday. Yeah. But then uh, I just started going around the area, picking up work, talking to people, and uh, um, uh, then my dad died, and that that was grim. My mother had young kids to raise, and so we moved out to the valley, out actually Chilliwac, which is just close by to Vetter, where uh, where Dan Sawatsky is. Well, he's not actually Vetter; he's just. Just passing better. Anyway. Um, so you started um, in the United States. You went to trade school down in San Diego and then moved up yeah. to Canada. What, yeah. what year did you move up to Canada? 65. Okay. So it, it was just a, a couple of years after going to trade school. Yeah. It was two years of the trade school. I never worked in a shop down there. Um, I, I went back on one trip. And I had to go work in a shop, and I went and found one that was near the old, near the trade school, junior college, Central Signs. I worked there for, I think, two days, made some cash, and it was like, okay, I've done it. No. <laughs> um, so, 
yeah, then working up here. So I'm out in the valley for six months and, and coming into town every once in a while looking for work. And then finally, in sometime in late 66, early 67 maybe, uh, got work at a sign shop, sign ads. A guy named Jim Bosley was the foreman. He convinced the boss to hire me. He figured I was, you know, and it turns out he was, Jim was leaving to go down to the States to work for down in Tri-City. So, uh, so anyway, we've got a new foreman, and then I was working there and uh, worked there for a couple of years and then was told about, oh, you got to go out to this other shop. They, you, a lot more freedom out there. And so I went out to Burnaby, worked with a, a Dick Robertson guy. Do you mean, do you uh, mean like creative freedom? What do you mean freedom? With, yeah, um, science, like the, this English guy that was work had come over and was working in different shops. And, and uh, he... He worked at Synads a little bit. He worked at Dick Robertson's. And he was going back to England. And he said, you know, you stay here. You, all you're going to do is paint real estate signs for the rest of your life. You know, you go out to, you know, lots of freedom at Dick's. He's, he, uh, he's, he does all kinds of stuff. And, and sure enough, that was it. Um, you know, lettering some race cars. Uh, Dick didn't like to, you know, work all that hard all that time. So, so. And I did, and uh, there was just a, a whole variety. Like I got to make up sort of my own layouts completely. Um, it, it was a, a real change from from the other shop, which was much more structure. Yeah. Um, and then uh, then another guy nearby. He uh, they were busy, and, and Dick's shop got slow. So I went over to work with them, and and then. Uh, uh, then we decided we were going to Lynn and I decided we were going to Europe and we found out if you could you could buy a car if you stayed out of the country a year you wouldn't pay any duty on it mm-hmm. and we'd run across some people with a Volkswagen van who had done that and they and they bought an empty shell van new and they made all these parts to make a camper out of it put it in a box shipped it over to England went over to England picked up the Volkswagen put the stuff together Spent the year, brought it back, no duty. This is perfect. <laughs> so I did the same thing. I, a, a friend had an empty van I could take measurements from and uh, made it all up out of Crazon, put it in a crate, took it down to the docks, put it on a ship. Two months later, it got to England. You know, we flew there, picked up the van, went to Brixton. When you could go to Brixton and park on the sidewalk and stayed in a little hotel and Spent a week putting the van together, drove around Europe, and then came home on a, on a ship, a uh, passenger freighter, a Yugolinia, uh, back to Vancouver. So you went over to England and you put together this van, like you assembled it there? Well, not the, the van, but the insides to make uh, like uh, a bed uh, and, and fold out so boxes. Like a, so like a camper van type. Yeah, yeah. And it then you drove little, it around for a year? Yeah. We, went, we didn't get to Scandinavia, but uh, we got over to Turkey, up through Romania, Bulgaria. Dude, that's amazing. I never knew that. Um, yeah, that was 71, March 71, and then time we got back into Vancouver it was the end of April of 72 um, because we 
we spent the winter in Morocco, and then uh, uh, we met some people who were coming back on a on a this passenger freighter, uh, and we were just going to put the go up to Hamburg and put it on a, a Volkswagen ship and then fly home. But uh, I met these people, and and they had a great idea, and, and they were from Canada, and and so. Uh, the ship kept breaking down in the Mediterranean, though, so that was, it stalled the trip for a while. But we finally got on it and uh, got to the East Coast. Supposed to go to New York, ended up in Boston. Had to drive north, pick up mail, and then uh, visit some old relatives in Atlantic City, uh, and then drove down through Texas uh, over to San Diego to see my sister, and then up up to Vancouver. So. So that was about a year out. Uh, although I, I brought a few brushes, I lettered, uh, uh, you know, let on Canada on my bumpers, and I lettered "Proud Mary" on the back of a Fins van. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, we, when we were down in Morocco, and and uh, and went to some sign shops. I went to. Uh, uh, I still got uh, Arabic uh, Coca-Cola Sprite. Uh, and uh, an orange drink that the Fanta huh. in in Arabic uh, decals because we went to their 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 plant and they, they gave us all this stuff. Um, so yeah, back in Vancouver and uh, went back to work for that KNR signs and and uh, in in Burnaby and one guy knew another and another and one guy you know had friend on Vancouver Island and he said if you ever get to the island look me up because this guy Gary Willis ran a screen print shop in Courtney Courtney Cumberland Comox area so we decided we were gonna I mean I was a hippie right I had long hair and a beard mm -hmm. so I thought I'm a hippie but I gotta work you're a working I mean, hippie one time I was there was a point where I could have drawn some EI and I, I went to the office and I sat there a little bit and I thought I could be out making money <laughs> forget this <laughs> so um, you went through a similar um, situation that I did um, from talking to you about this in the past um, that period uh, I don't know if it was late 80s or early 90s for you you had, you had been painting signs for decades at that point um, and then got started to get involved in the uh, computerized stuff that everyone was being told we were going to starve to death if we didn't switch. So how did that go? Well, true. Everything was paint, you know, on the bench eight hours a day or, and, uh, or on site. And, but one of my customers, good customer, was a... a Western Display out in Richmond and their clients, their corporate clients, because they did trade shows, you know, big stuff, they're all corporate, uh, you, know, comp, you know, deals, they had, the, they had the new look, so their clients wanted vinyl, so if I was going to be their supplier to Western, I needed it. So I got the Gerber 4B, my mother God bless her heart. She loaned me the money for it. And a few years later, I'm, I said, I'm ready to start making payments on it. And she said, Johnny, that's for you and your family. You know? Nice. Um, I got a painting that she's, 
I've got it now. She passed on 12 years ago. But I did it in sixth grade, and she said, when I saw that, I knew you were going to be an artist. Hmm. And so there's that 4B there at $16,000. Good gravy. Um, I used to love to look at it with a pen in it, plotting and making all these little beep noises. Um, I couldn't bear to use it for big stuff. I would use it for some headlines. I'd still do the bullnose small. It took seven or eight years before I'd cut out big vinyl and stick it on a vinyl banner. I'd always paint it. Mm-hmm. And one time I got stuck, bunch of Costco work. Instead of making a pattern, I cut vinyl. That was the end of painting on the banners. So yeah, 86, got the 4B. Uh, and then um, still painted lots, but but I was using it, and especially for all the Western stuff. And, and McDonald's was another good customer. And Used it for them a lot, um, or anybody really. And then, this, then I, I moved from this leased place. I bought a unit in a strata building down Burn Road here, and uh, I could see it from our house. I can still see the building from our back deck. Um, the Sprint. Well, here's the thing with a screen and this module that auto layout. Looking back, I got a bunch of old sign crafts that, uh, well, I've got the whole collection downstairs, but a guy gave me a batch at Puyallup a few weeks ago, and I'm passing them on to some people I'm mentoring and passed a few on, but I'm reading through them, all those promises in there, and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the one, not anagraph, but it, Technoarts, it was out of Seattle, it melted, it had a melter uh-huh. that would melt. And leave the, this rough edge on the vinyl. I, I worked at a trim line. Uh, remember those places that did all yeah. the pinstriping and all that on, on new cars? Um, and that's what they had. And um, that was one of the first exposures to vinyl cutting that I had gotten across. And I was just, it was horrible. It, you know, for those of you who don't know what it is, it, it, like John was saying, it doesn't cut with a blade. It's this little bright red hot tip that melted the vinyl and all of the edges were like crusty and it was gross but i think those machines were ridiculously expensive too i think everything was because it was new and you know probably cost you know they weren't in the big production and and people wanted it and um so yep got the sprint um i think we kept the 4b I'm sure it did. Um, and then a few years later, the uh, the Graphics Advantage came out. Um, and that was a big change. Um, so why don't, why don't you explain from your vantage point, um, you know, you, you had this, this immediate passionate love for hand painting, you know, that got you hooked. So I, I think that's something to to maybe put in context is, you know, a lot of a lot of these younger guys, I think, are going to ask the question, well, why in the world would you start adopting this other stuff? I mean, mm-hmm. I know for myself, it was I had bills to pay and a family to support and all of that. And, um, you know, when when it got down to it, there was. Uh, there was such a shift in the customer's mind that paint was now 
hack work and that this new vinyl computerized stuff was the only way to go. I mean, is that what you experienced up there? Um, yeah. And, and the fact that if on vehicles, you know, it's a lease vehicle, you can peel it off. You don't have to repaint the truck. Um, when I, in later years, before I sold brushworks in 2000, um, if I'd mentioned paint, I remember people, you know, making the statement, oh, well, that would be cheaper, wouldn't it? They just somehow, it would be cheaper if you painted it because otherwise you're using that really expensive equipment. Mm -hmm. But, um, um, which then made your labor completely disposable and your years of craftsmanship and everything else well, was expendable. And anybody, I mean, you know how it went with the franchise shops and people buy one, have it in their basement. Anybody's making signs, you know, signs with quotes on them. Right. Their their material with with letters on with there. words on them. Yes. Yeah, words and letters, <laughs> and, and like it showed in the movie, they're flapping in the wind. You know, they're hammered left to right margins, um, and the general public doesn't know the difference. Uh, as far as you know, did I? How did I feel about it? Well, it was gradual. Um, I think towards the end, there was like we used to do the Okanagan Spring Brewery breweries uh, trucks, all hand painted. My friend Al Graw, he'd come down from uh, from his place up in uh, up in uh, uh, Lytton, and uh, we we paint away. And then Sleeman Breweries brought them, bought them out. That was the end. Then it was giant digital print on the sides of the trucks. Mm -hmm. And that happened with a couple of about three different people I did trucks for. That was sort of in the, the later 90s. Um, and uh, yeah, I just kept kept you know doing it I, I remember buying the, the letterhead the, the fonts all the ones that, like sort of Mike Stevens mm -hmm. ones and realizing you know this isn't special anymore because you see it everywhere and, and, and since then you know no matter where I travel there's always that S with a loop you know the S uh -huh, and the C yeah. I mean that's not special anymore you right. can paint it hand paint it but Anyway, um, but I bought those because I used some of those those fonts. And, and one day, I mean, a few times I'm, I'm doing it with a nod, you know, and you're grabbing and pulling. And I, and, I, and I had this thought, you should be using a brush, you know. Right. <laughs> and I enjoyed, you know, hand lettering it and scanning it mm -hmm. and then cutting some vinyl for, for whatever reason. But. Yeah, it, uh, it and it was getting to the point where, you know, a big digital printer was was really needed. It was by late '90s, early 2000s. You know, it was that was the first thing that Mike bought when he bought the shop from me. He bought a big printer mm -hmm. uh, because that was that was next. You know, I mean, there, there was the only thing I could have done is. Yes, just shut the shop down and just, you know, rent out part of it and, and just use part of it and, and just say I'm going to do hand lettering. Well, my way was to divest of everything. I didn't want to run the place. I didn't want to be a manager. And it was either be a manager or there was a lot of reasons. It was 
I'm really glad I made them. I can't believe it. This December will be 15 years. 15 years ago. That you walked now, away from that? Yeah, that I sold the building, the business, everything. And um, But see, I, I think what you're, you're saying is um, kind of the core uh, issue with the whole transition is what what entered the 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 market was a bunch of managers and um you know as people that had the bankroll to buy this expensive equipment and buy rolls and rolls and rolls of all this different colored vinyl and there was it, it was just this really um dollars and cents approach to what had been an art form for millennia and, mm-hmm. and i think that that's what uh turned so many of us off to it you know we were trying to you know find our place in the whole mix um but i i know with myself i don't know what you experienced but um creativity was constantly stifled uh it was considered frivolous you know to spend time on a design um you know because it was all that mechanical approach of okay um, if we get out 10 banners today and, you know, five, four by eight signs, then we'll make our profit margin, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, they, the, the shops that I worked in when I got up to Seattle, um, first started working out in the shop, you know, doing production, um, and then got moved into the design department, you know, which was exciting. Cause I was like, okay, I, you know, I, paid my dues out there now i get to you know put some creativity together but it was just you you constantly had someone looking over your shoulder you know pushing you don't spend time on that don't spend time on that just you know just type out the words in block letters you know cut it out or send it to the silk screener in the back or whatever and we're just going to you know bump these out is that what you experienced as well or uh, well, because nobody was telling me to, uh, you know, I was my own boss, so I could spend as much time. And, but truthfully, I didn't like computers. You know, I've I, I learned to, to like them because I get stuff from them now. And it's not really to, I mean, kind of to do with work. I mean, my iPhone, I can do a pencil sketch, send it to somebody, you know, Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, it's back and forth. I can look at Instagram. I can, you know, look at stuff on Facebook. That aspect of computers. But as far as learning, you know, I still don't know the basic things about using a computer. Uh, I have to call in tech lady Lynn, you know, and she is patient to a point, but I better not be the jerk, you know, yeah. <laughs> or, or all of a sudden tech is gone. Right. <laughs> you know? And I got to say at this point, you know, uh, if it wasn't for Lynn and her, you know, going back to school when we lived on the island and and then getting a teaching job. And, and I mean, if it was up to me to support the family and the way I ran my shop, uh-huh. um, we'd be a bunch of hungry kids and we wouldn't be, you know, living where we're living. So uh, she had a big part in this and, you know, putting up with me. Um but, uh, yeah, regarding the computers, um, 
I didn't like them. I, you know, I would use it in the, the simplest way and, and, you know, graphics advantage or, you know, any of those things instead of making it sing, you know, like people who love that, they got into it. I don't know what it's like if you're in a, a bigger thing where like you've got somebody pushing you versus you, it's your shop and you're using it the way you want to use it. Yeah. Um, see, I, you know, I, I became proficient at using the design software um, and that still pays off today because like you had mentioned earlier, uh, I do a lot of hand rendered stuff that I then scan in and, and digitize and vectorize and all that good stuff. And then I'm able to make large scale patterns. I'm able to repurpose things. Um, so that's been beneficial for me to have that background, but, um, it, the the main focus um i worked at a company called Caragraphic in seattle that um in the uh what was that i think it was just around 911 i think is what tanked them because um there was a company called natural grocery uh no not natural grocers um uh something grocer.com homegrocer.com something like that and this company was just exploding because they were um, like the first online grocery delivery thing concept. Okay, yeah. And we had the contract to make all of the graphics for all of their trucks that were being shipped all over the country. And it was part of that whole dot-com bubble nonsense. And um, what ended up happening is the company went under and uh, we had been working 24-hour shifts our, our business that I worked in was and they did that for months and months and months and months um, doing custom screen printing on these huge decals for these trucks and when the company went under they owed us mm. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars and the comp our company went under oh. so that was an, that ended up getting sold out to somebody else and I don't know where it went from there but um you know that it, it was just so mechanized and so focused on production. Um, I remember one of the things that we did is um, uh, the ICC numbers on trucks. Yeah. Um, and they had the contract with Freightliner Trucks, and so there were months that we would spend an entire month laying out Helvetica ICC numbers for thousands of trucks so it's thousands of different numbers and you're just sitting there basically typesetting and then sending it to vinyl cutters and then we'd all have to go out and weed and pre-mask these numbers week after week after week it it was horrible very wow. very very boring yeah yeah that's production in a you know yeah never never faced anything like that it was you know, um, so it, uh, but I did, I found that w when hand lettering jobs would come along, it, scheduling wise, I usually had to do them on weekends or in the summertime, you know, you know, after supper, it's still daylight because you were busy in the shop, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I had Mike worked full time and, and Ken was a part time guy. I was enjoying it, but I was doing doing very little of it. And uh, then when I decided, okay, I'm, I was getting, 
more fed up, more fed up. And I wanted to, I just wanted to escape. I wanted out and um, ended up, you know, selling to Mike. And, um, and I was just going to go back. I remember talking to Lynn and I went to a financial planner and she said, so what are you going to do now? I said, oh, I'm just going to do hand lettering. Yep. Pinstriping hand lettering. I really hadn't a clue. Um, but I had this idea that I was going to do it. And, and I guess I did some up until 2002. And then my son, who works in locations in TV and film here, he, uh, he was early in, the, early in his career there. But uh, he mentioned it to somebody, a, a painter, and they said, oh, you should go to the union. They need sign painters. So I, that sounded interesting. I went down there and got on as a permit and then got enough days. I got to be a, a full member. And that was a just a big eye-opener. Uh, the whole Vancouver's been a movie town for years and years. It still is. It's super busy right now. It had a, a downturn two years ago, but that's turned around and it's full tilt now. Um, I think they, they filmed one of my favorite shows there, that show Psych. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was filmed there, I think. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think, is it Fringe? Is it an 11th season? Mm-hmm. I've never watched the show. A friend of mine is a, a scenic artist on it, and uh, God, he's been living on that show. <laughs> uh, yeah, so much has been done here. Um, and it was, it was fun. I mean, I wasn't all brush uh, all the time. Um, I learned how to use a roller and a cutting brush properly. I used to hate painting in my house. And once I learned, you know, how to paint properly, or at least, you know, way, way better, it's it's another brush. Mm-hmm. You're still pushing pigment with hairs tied to a stick. And I love it. Uh, it gave me a whole new set of brushes to collect. Nice. <laughs> um so, yeah, working as a sign writer and, and, you know, you do put down some vinyl. You put down frosted vinyl on windows and um, go to some funny places. Um, but, you know, met, met and his camaraderie, uh, which in the shop, you know, there's two of you here. There's lots of people. So I've had a little break from it the last two years, but I'm, I'm back in the game now and, and uh I've got a pending job that if it comes through, it's it's basically sign writing, but it's it, it'll be a sort of a high profile thing. So, uh, but I've got some big windows to do in over on Commercial Drive using Dutch metal, mm-hmm. which I ended up buying down at McLogan's because uh, they had it and it was good price, and I got it and and I'm teaching a, a, a three hour basic beginner hand lettering workshop. I've done it twice before. It's a three-hour class. I'm doing it at a place called London Fields. It's on Hastings Street in Vancouver. Okay. Basic uh, hand lettering. Uh, it's three hours. Uh, it's learned in those strokes, you know, the ver- ones I learned. Vertical, horizontal, curved. I use a number. I was using a number six or a number eight Langnickel uh, brush for that. And I was getting them out of Maryland, uh, artist brush, oh, I forget, the, anyway, all they have now is number 12, so they can, they, he said there's two factories going full tilt in China, you can't get any any of the smaller sizes, hmm. and uh, 
at any rate, I ended up talking to Chris at Mac Brush and talked about the, the Mac 2179, and I have a couple of those, and I didn't like them. The Langnickels are better. But then we got talking, and we're talking hares, and, you know, guys get talking about hares and blue squirrels, and next thing you know, we're talking the 169, mm-hmm. which I use and love, but I'd never considered it for water. I just oil, you know, and, and I, of course I never cross contaminate. We, you know, we know that. But he says no, no, they work, they work great in in water. So I'm going out on a limb and getting uh, 24 number uh, number sixes. Uh, I've got enough Langnickels to do this week's course uh, this Saturday, and then the 18th. Are you, then, pro- are you providing everyone with a brush? Is that why you have so many? Yeah, they get a brush. Uh, I'm using a sort of a tempera. It's not really the show card paint that we know and love, like Rich Art, but it's uh, from an art store, and I, I put a little acrylic flow enhancer in it. Not flow troll, but something similar. And um, we don't worry about coverage. You know, it's just how it works in the brush. So mm-hmm. the viscosity is not too much. And... Um, so they get a brush. I, I get. I go to Staples and get those twenty. What is that? Oh, twenty by twenty-eight or twenty. Nah, twenty-two, twenty-eight. Uh, something like that. It's a thin, te- kind of like tag board. Hmm. Cut those in half. I run one and three-quarter inch pencil lines along them, so they work with that. And uh, like how we how we learned to. To write cursive when they still taught cursive. Um, yeah, same my thing. You have to have something in your hand. You got to be making marks with it. Uh, the uh, I don't remember learning cursive. That's handwriting, isn't it? Yeah, that in, here in the United States anyway. That's um, going going away. Yeah, we had these worksheets with the you know base and top line, and then the center line in the middle it was like usually dashes. And then um, we would just sit there and repeat the cursive letters after the teacher would draw them up on the chalkboard. Jeez, that's... Uh, I can remember a lot of things when I was little, but I don't remember that. Oh, I do remember, you know, as I've all through my sign painting, uh, my mother always, you know, was puzzled that the fact that I can paint such a beautiful script, but my handwriting is... <laughs> well, she I, said... She said, "Not so nice." I, you know, I, I've got the same issue. My uh, <laughs> my my chicken scratch is horrible. Um, I don't. I'm I'm not really that uh, that good at script either with painting. Um, I can do passable, but I never would. I never really spent enough time on it to feel confident in it. It's it's. Uh you really uh, appreciate different brushes when you're doing a script. You're, you know? you're the one that turned me on to probably my most used brushes, um, which are those Steve Kafka uh, sets. Oh, are those, the... Those little uh, beige handle ones. Remember when the you... The little stumpy handle with the long hair? No, they're, yep. they're, they're full-length handles. Um, they're not... Yeah, maybe they are the outliners. Oh well, but they're are they pointed? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, the, this Kafka script. Now he brought out a long-haired uh, lettering brush. Yeah, so I don't. Tip. I don't care for those as much. 
I, I haven't used those, but Chris Yona, who, who goes PF Dizzle on Instagram, he's, we've painted together for the last six, seven years. He's a tattooist, took up striping, then he wanted to do lettering. He's just taken off with it. He's left-handed, and he really likes those brushes, but I have yet... I haven't even borrowed one of his to try it. The 189 Mac grays, although in the smaller sizes, they look like a brown hair. Uh, I just got some of those a little while ago. I used it. I put it up on Instagram, these name plaques. So all those name, the last batch of name plaques, I put up two pictures, the finished ones and the ones where I just did the first base color for the, for the word, the lettering without highlights. All those were done with the same brush. And then, I don't know if I put that on Instagram yet, but it was a Pepsi-Cola door for a full-size Pepsi machine of 57. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that yet. Ra raised letters, did all the work on that with the same number four brush. Fantastic. Hmm. It just, the not a hair has come loose. It's just, you could lay it down on the job, go for a coffee, come back, it's lettered, you know. It's almost like that. So <laughs> well, that's an endorsement. Highly recommended the Mac 189s. The handle is plain wood, you know. It's not right. And I'll give a report on those 169s when they come. Trying them in water. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to know <laughs> about that. Hey, I, I, I wanted to. Um, last uh, interview I did was with Colt Bowden. Mm -hmm. And his wife uh, chimed in towards the end, and I, I thought it was a really cool idea. I wanted to run this question by you. Um, your most embarrassing moment as a sign painter or an embarrassing story of something that went wrong. I, I thought that would be kind of a neat question. Oh, man. Jeez, I, I probably could have thought some up. I'm sure there's been some. I, I know one time I... I I got the wrong phone number on a guy's truck that I, I painted, and it was still fresh, and he, he caught it, and I I just said, well, you know, they don't charge that much at the phone company. I've, I've heard, you know, you can get your number changed, and it's, they don't charge very much at all. And then I just didn't say anything more and just see what his reaction was, and he's kind of, uh, oh, uh, I don't, you know, and I, that's, I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> It's always fun to, you know, just go to a point and then stop. People take take you seriously. Uh, embarrassing things. I'll think of them all afterwards because... Well, mull that over. Maybe we can... Oh, well, how about embarrassing? Like, oh, <laughs> You're going you to make me really do some editing work. I'm going to have oh, okay. leaps left oh. and right today. <laughs> oh, poopy, poopy. What do you mean you don't want... That you won't accept this one thousand five hundred dollar glass door I've done. <laughs> that was embarrassing. Why, why, I've never been rejected like that before. Why did they not want it? Be, it was not up to standard, and I, I missed out. I didn't take seriously enough what I was doing. I thought I was. There was a lot of distractions. I, you know, there's a lot of side issues. Bottom line was there was two ways to do it afterwards say I can't handle this I'm sorry and do whatever they're going to do I don't think or I'll do it again and, and I thought I I can't walk away from this and I you know that was my dad's old work ethic 
kicking in. I'm sure it. I felt it. I did it over. I said, I can't do it for two months because of other things going on. I did it over. But it was, you know, it, it, it was a real hit to the ego. Hmm. I finally figured that out. It took me a while to figure out that's what it is. It's, that's what's given me so much pain. You know, the details of the job, they can be corrected. Right. But um, so that was that was an, a, a wake up. But, I, you know, I think I learned something from it. But, yeah, general everyday embarrassments, there's, there's got to be ones out. Well, there's nothing like the phone call you get when they say, yeah, I really like that the job is great. And you can just like, ah, huh? you know, uh, what's, what's coming here next? It comes, is here it comes. The but. <laughs> but there's something. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, well, I'll think of others, but then I'll just have to put them in the memory bank. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so the way things are now is, is uh, I get work from referrals and, and through Instagram, and people find you through that, and then they, you know, they Google. God, you can find everything Google, so um, that's uh, the, the way the work comes in. And it's, you know, I'm at a point where I, I can pick what I want to do and, and turn down. And I've got a great guy, Marie Gibbs, longtime sign painter, airbrusher, pic, uh, muralist, pictorial guy. Uh, I can refer jobs to him. He does big stuff, you know, because of, of some, you know, physical demands that I, I can't handle certain jobs. Uh, give Murray a call he's a great guy and, and that's that's really important so that you don't have to tell people no yeah yeah you, know, you can refer and then you know if Murray's that's his choice what he does with it uh, and okay you're going to ask me what's my advice for the new timers yep do not make up your own ladder styles until you understand proper lettering and can do proper lettering don't make it up because it looks, it, it can be spotted a mile away by anybody who understands lettering. And, and if the general public doesn't get it, well, that's just because they're called the general public and they don't get a lot of things. Um, I think that is an excellent point. Um, years ago, it was pointed out to me that all letter forms, aside from script, are based either off of the old block Egyptian or Roman and everything else is a derivative of those two. But those principles are always there with the, uh, the proportions and the structure of the letters. And I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing people post things that I'm like, you you haven't even learned the basics and you're trying to create your own type style, which, you know, most sign painters that evolves over years of just minor adjustments to things, and then it kind of becomes your own thing. You know, might might be the the the, the way it crosses over in in the capital A or something. That's kind of your little signature, or whatever. Yeah. But it's not these yeah. dramatic changes to the structure of letter that people have been looking at for thousands of years. And it's not it's not like something um, innovative or uh, you know this is just some creative new direction it, it's ignorance yeah and it's not telling them look you know we're better than you you don't know no 
I, I, when I in Puyallup, I saw this going on, and and I, without being too pointed, I I said the same thing. Don't try to make up your own letter styles until you learn lettering. Copy a style you like. You know something that you know. Find one you see one in in the books or wherever, and I'm turning one to Colt's zines because those are really good. Yep. Um, and. And either trace it or eyeball it or pencil it, but copy that because that's that's the way you know that's that person's style, and uh, it's going to be way more correct than what you're making up. Um, I mean, there's a, I just saw the other day uh, a batch of books that were up, and one was about creative lettering and blah 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 by these two people, and, and the word creative. The, the thick stroke, of the, and it was like a thin and a, and a really fat stroke, so that's how the letters were. The A, fat on the left, thin on the right, and the V, fat on the left, as it should be. And I thought, holy, this is the blind leading the blind here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I'm seeing the same thing. It's, it's disturbing. Um, so that that's an excellent... Uh, it's great to be painting, all that, but yeah, um, it, you know, if you were trying to learn guitar, would you just pick up the guitar and just, I did, I bought a guitar, Broken Love Affair, I thought, a guitar will fix it, so, and then I thought, I'll just start picking strings, like, plink, 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 and somehow some music will happen, I tried it a little bit, no matter how much I smoked, it still didn't happen, Yeah, it's and, like, and it's you not going to happen. You can learn you know, some basic chords, but if the strings are out of tune, it's well, never going to sound good. At first, you got to learn the basic chords, and I, I didn't even want to do that. I just thought <laughs> I could plunk, plunk. Uh-huh. So, second love affair, I got a drawing board, a good tilt drawing board. Now, that... That worked. That worked. Now, that's <laughs> the way to go. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, that's that's great advice. Um, what What about your iPod? The iPod. A, I don't have one. Well, it's it's just you know it's what like, I mean. It's like the, saying, do you want a Coke? I yeah. Mean, because what are you listening to? Um, I you know I've got a huge batch of CDs downstairs from over the years. If I would only re- get CDs made out of my vinyl collection out in the garage, all my John Stewart records, um, you know, Pied Pumpkin, uh, just all the stuff I listened to in the seventies and eighties. And, and now it's it's pretty random. There's, you know, I know you talk about guilty pleasures. I, I don't think I, I have any. I mean, if, if if I don't like it, no, there isn't anything. Um, there's just so many uh, things. It depends. Um, like if you were going to sit down and paint right now when we're done talking, which you probably are going to anyway, but if you're going to do that, what would you flip on right now? What, what would you click on? As your music. Well, gee, okay. Last night I finished off with Ray Bonneville. He's a a great singer player. Um, uh, a man from Texas with a big little band. Um, ah, I love it. Yeah, I've got uh, somebody gave me a couple of those. I'd heard them, and then somebody gave me these are great. I gave you uh, some of that when you came down. Uh, well, that's for the that was the guy. Out. Yeah, yeah. I I quite he, enjoy those. That's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, you know, there's nothing. Right now, my job has been to draw lines on those on 60 of those cards. So that was a little numbing. But but 
Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. You know, there's just there's lots of music there. There's Ray Kondo and his and his ricochets. He's he's passed on, but his music lives on. And and uh, you know, there was a guy that plays the jazz trombone. You know, an eight dollar CD buy that I got back in DC. Um, you know, you just never know. I'm I'm kind of a sucker for going in and hmm, that looks kind of interesting. I'll get it because it's used. I'm not spending a lot of money, and I might. Mamas and papas. Okay, the movie, the documentary, The Wrecking Crew. Well, I don't know what that is. The, it's it's called. It, that's the name of it. It. They were the session players in L.A. in the late '50s, '60s, '70s, '80s. By '90s, they were fading because singer-songwriters. They they were playing their own music. The musicians were playing it wasn't just the monkeys that didn't play their own music hmm. the association you listened unbelievable this is it's such a good documentary huh. that and muscle shoals about uh, the, i saw that uh in in the mix but i haven't watched that one on netflix mm, or it was that, amazon prime or something are, are especially the wrecking crew and it was just so entertaining i mean the these musicians being interviewed a guy danny tedesco was sort of his son made the documentary in his honor he was a guitar player and, mm. and um, so um, yeah that's we just saw that last week or a week ago uh, down at theater i just watched that documentary on atari and how they um Put well, there's this urban myth about them putting the ET game, which I guess was really horrible, in a landfill in New Mexico. That was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I don't know if you're familiar with that story, but no, no, like, like you mean put all the the, the research or the no, like millions of cartridges because the game flopped and then oh. Atari went under, and so there was this urban myth that they had gone out um, to Alamogordo, New Mexico, and put these millions, I believe, cartridges in in this landfill and covered them up. And um, so that rumor has been floating around for years. And, huh. and I, I won't give away uh, the end, but they, um, they do or don't find evidence that this occurred. Wow. Well, like my dad used to say, you see a lot of strange sights. No, his father used to say, you see a lot of strange sights when you haven't got your gun. And I thought that was his original. And then... A few years ago, I, I read it on, on some something, and it was it was just a saying that people said, like, huh. you know, have a nice day or or something. It was just something that was said back in the late 1890s. Interesting. <laughs> so I, um, I I do have one thing I wanted to mention to you. I kind of want to get your feedback, mm. um, and I kind of want to encourage others to do this. Um, I. Uh, was doing some work yesterday for a, for a new client here in this small town and she's got this little candy store and um you know really nice lady and has gone through some uh i believe health changes in recent years and so she started this little candy shop to uh stay afloat and is uh, on the visual side of things is in way over her head and so i thought to myself you know I, I, I'm doing these projects for her, but, um, you know, th this is something I did have done 
um, previously regularly ever since I started doing this type of work is to just kind of do somebody a solid once in a while. So like ah. I'm, I'm taking this afternoon and I'm, I'm painting her a little sign for her interior. She's got a sign in there right now that she made out of like uh, uh, poster board and marker and stuff. So I'm going to just surprise her with a little sign. And I, I just kind of that whole pay it forward kind of thing of just, you know, I, I think that as humanity, we don't do enough nice things for each other. So. I got that completely that you that is great and you know it's it's like when you give something to a charity auction or you know uh, you can reach in your pocket for a certain amount of money but you could give away a piece of artwork that might fetch more money mm -hmm. and and the bonus is that you had you enjoyed making it so in, like in this case well, you will take your time, but you'll enjoy making it. If you were, you were if you were going in to clean out some of her, you know, drains in the back with a, with the snake, you know, um, not so much fun, but it made, would have helped her right. maybe if the drain was plugged. But this way, she gets something that helps her. You enjoy doing it, and it, it costs you your time, but. It's a good thing. No, I, I, I kind of feel these name plaques I do. I've got a policy. I, there's no money ever involved in them, and I've, mm -hmm. I've done coming on to 400 of them now. And, wow. And if you want one, you know, I mean, not if you want one. If you want something after, somebody says, oh, can you make this for my thing uh, or, you know, or that or, you know, business or even can you, you know, then yes, then I'll give you a price on it. But um, people say, oh, I've got to pay for it. No, you know, the, I've made that so that it, it's maybe not quite the same thing because it's not really helping. What you're doing for the candy store, that's perfect for her, you know, and, and it'll help her. And, yeah, I would hear it out there, people in the world. Uh, you'll see situations, and, and you, you know, it's made me aware of it now. Like, you know, beyond name plaques, they'll run across a situation where, you know, this would help, and I get to paint a sign. And Yeah, and, you know, so much about our, our daily existence is, you know, uh, marketing and money and bills and all that. And, you know, some of that you just got to do to you know, stay alive. But, yeah. um, you know, I mean, we, we've got this ability as commercial artists to, you know, do little things like this that really make a difference in someone's day and kind of boost their spirits and helps them out with their endeavor. And it's like, you know, I don't know. I just, uh, I think more of that should happen, you know, and I would encourage listeners, you know, hey, go down and put somebody's hour block in their door or something and just shake their hand when you're done and say, there you go, have it, have at it, it's for you. You know, it's just goodwill stuff, you know. And I think we've, we've lost a lot of that where people just don't take the time to be nice to each other like that anymore. Mm. Yeah, that neighbor helping neighbor. I know my brother, uh, he... He mo he owns five properties, but if he chooses to, uh, uh, you know, mow uh, the old lady's lawn, you know, uh, over in the other neighborhood there, uh, just because he that's his decision, hmm. you know, and and uh, it, it's that same kind of thing. You're doing something for somebody 
it helps them. You've chosen to, you know, how much you're going to give or do, and uh, it's it's good. It's a good thing. Uh, yeah, so you know that that golden rule, and you know you get more with honey than vinegar. Those are simple concepts that uh, you know we complicate things an awful lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, this is, sounds very you know very uh, low to you know not low to the ground, but uh, not complicated. Yeah, and and that's uh, so that's what I'd like to encourage people hearing this to do. Go out and do something nice for somebody today, you know. Use use your craft and ability mm. to do something nice that'll cheer somebody up and make them feel good about being alive. My uh, my tenant downstairs got a brand new 2015 Hyundai, bright red, and I'm thinking I'm going out there to stripe that. Pinstripe that puppy. Yeah. <laughs> She'll be so surprised when she comes out. You might want to double check on that first. <laughs> It's like that sign painter, you know, the, the, the mythic one we heard. That, oh, yeah, he drank, you know, but once his hand touched down with the brush, oh, so smooth. Yeah. And I would tell this story, and I still like to tell it. Sign painter, I knew he'd be walking down the street with his kit. He'd walk by, and he, he'd, all of a sudden he'd stop. There'd be this a pickup truck, or it's a van, whichever I'm telling. And he'd just stop, and he'd look at it, and he'd walk around it, open his kit up. Next thing you know, he's lettering that truck. He doesn't even know whose it is. <laughs> For real? And, and then I leave it at that, and I just hope people are spreading that story, you know, because if you elaborate or say you're joking, well. I see. I see. You got so me. Leave, leave them hanging. Leave them telling them, you know, spreading the word. On, on that note, <laughs> I'm going to wrap it up. You're just going to shut him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, well, John. This, this was awesome being able to uh, chat with you. Um, you know, I uh, I enjoy following your stuff on Instagram and seeing what you're tinkering with here and there. It's good stuff. Well, it's it's was good. I feel healed. Healed. All right. <laughs> <laughs> if I All could right. reach through and touch your forehead, I would do. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, you enjoy your day up there, and um, I'm gonna go paint a sign for somebody and give them a surprise. That sounds uh, candy store. Sounds sweet. Ah, very good. Talk to you later. See ya. Thank you very much, John, for coming on the show. Uh, as you can now see, if you don't already know John, uh, John's a good guy. So really enjoyed having him on the show. Um, and so I will uh, leave you with your mission this week is to go out and do something nice for somebody. Uh, you know? Use your skill with uh, paint and brush or design or whatever it is that you do to just do somebody a solid. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but um, I think uh, I think you'll feel good about it, and I know they'll feel good about it, and uh, ain't nothing wrong with that. So, um, would like to again thank our sponsor, Full City Rooster Coffee. Uh, for putting together the Sign Painters Blend, which is available at their website, fullcityrooster.com. Um, getting lots of good feedback. People are enjoying it, and um, you can order your own right through their website. And um, so this wraps it up. This happens to be our longest episode thus far, but I think uh, it was time well spent with Mr. Lenig. And we will talk to you guys next week. 
Today's episode of Coffee with a Sign Painter is brought to you by Full City Rooster Coffee Roasters in Dallas, Texas. Roasting distinctive coffees from around the world. Sean drinks Full City Rooster Coffee every day in the studio. You can order their coffee online at fullcityrooster.com. with a sign painter hosted by Sean Starr. You can find all sorts of info about the show and sign painting, including previous episodes at our website, seanstar.com. 